Well, our story takes place in Bethlehem. It's just a little village. It's not even a big town to this day, but back then, just a little village situated in the rolling hills, about 2,700 feet above sea level, only about 10 miles away from Jerusalem. It's a big uh, agricultural area, uh, sheep in particular. Bethlehem kind of provided the sheep for the sacrificial system of Jerusalem. And our story takes place out in the fields with the shepherds. They had known for centuries that Messiah would come from Bethlehem, but nobody expected the Messiah to be born and placed in a manger, in a stable, and nobody expected the big announcement to go to shepherds. And yet, the scripture says in chapter two, verse eight, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. They were just uh, common laborers in that day. You and I have a kind of a romanticized uh, picture uh, in our minds of the shepherds. We've seen the artwork and the Christmas cards and our Christmas carols, but they were just common laborers. Uh, today, the announcement might go to the lobstermen up in Gloucester, Massachusetts, rough and tumble people working with their hands, kind of smelly. <laughs> Nobody expected the announcement, uh, the birth announcement to go to shepherds. And my question is, why shepherds? Why come in this fashion? A stable, a manger, shepherds. It's like uh, if the President of the United States had some big announcement to make, some big, you know, some policy decision, or a, a sort of a State of the Union kind of address, but he, he decides to make the announcement uh, at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Uh, he, he goes in and, you know, the Secret Service are flanking him and, and, uh, and uh, there's just a lady there with a stroller. She's got two kids crammed into one stroller. <laughs> there's an older gentleman over here looking at the newspaper. There's some workers behind the counter. They speak a different language, kind of hard to understand. Why shepherds? Why Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> of all places? They were living out in the fields. That was, uh, that was common uh, during, uh, from, from April through November. It was warm enough. They could actually stay in the fields. So all the different shepherds would drive their flocks together at night. So there's just one big herd. And then just a single shepherd or maybe two shepherds could keep watch over them and the others could sleep. And so it happened there in the outskirts of Bethlehem, 10 miles from Jerusalem, that first Noel. The angels came to certain poor shepherds in the fields where they lay. It was a cold winter's night, and it was so deep. 
When I was a kid, I used to think that it was so deep. I thought that meant the snow was deep. <laughs> no, there was no snow there. It was cold. <laughs> it meant still. Just the blackness of the sky, no man-made lighting. <laughs> and the stars. And it was so deep. And so there's one shepherd or two shepherds up walking the perimeter. You can hear the sheep breathing and stirring. You can hear the other shepherds snoring. And maybe the shepherd is singing quietly. Mary had a little lamb, little lamb. And then verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. <laughs> and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Wow. Glory in the Bible is often associated with light. So we picture the heavens suddenly illuminated. The unseen world, the immaterial world, the eternal world of heaven for a moment intersected our world, and it's really hard to describe that, that numinous experience, except to say glory, maybe light. And they were terrified. The word is terrified. The others had woken up by this point. Maybe they woke up and jumped up and fell back down. <coughs> they were terrified. It's understandable. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that. I don't think I have, where the unseen world penetrates for a moment our world. But you know, even, uh, even on the, the, the earthly or the human uh, level, we sometimes get a sense of this other world, this glory. For example, I have a friend after college and graduate school. He wanted to just take some time off and travel the world. So he and another friend uh, kind of backpacked their way around the world and went to hostels. And they found themselves in India. They found themselves in Kolkata, India. And they thought, huh, we're in Calcutta. <laughs> hey, isn't this where Mother Teresa is from? So they looked around and they got a, they, an address and they went to the little uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the enclave where Mother Teresa lived and worked, and they, they knocked at the door and a little nun came out and said, well, we, we've come to see Mother Teresa. She said, okay, hang on. And a minute later, Mother Teresa came tottering out, and she took my friend by the hand and she said, have you come to give your lives to the poor? And my friend said, uh, no, we were just kind of traveling <laughs> But you hear him tell that story and you look in his face and there was a kind of glory, an otherworldliness. In any case, they were terrified. The light, we assume the light shone 
We assume the other shepherds fell to the ground. We assume perhaps the sheep scattered, (laughs) or were they too dumb to know what was going on? Verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not. I know you're terrified. I get it. The unseen world has intersected your world. This doesn't happen very much. I'm totally with you. Fear not. Why? Because the angel brings the gospel, the good news of the gospel. This good news is for all the people. And what is the good news? He goes on and you know, explains it a little bit in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, that's where David came from. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. We have a three-part title, Savior, Christ, Messiah, the Anointed One, the Lord. God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. Fear not, a savior has come. This is good news. I wonder if you receive it or if you've just heard the, uh, the Christmas carols and the once a year, December 25th, and, and that we send uh, presents and cards to each other. But if you hear this good news, a savior, And not just a deliverer from Rome, that would have been good enough, (laughs) you know, that kind of Messiah, but it is God himself who has come to save us in the fullest possible sense. Yes, political liberation, yes, physical healing, yes, all of these blessings are wrapped up in the atonement of Jesus and it all began on a silent night in Bethlehem out in the fields, out at Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) It all happened many years ago. Good news, a savior has been born. Now this is pretty astounding. The, The word has come to shepherds, common people. The word has come, the unseen world is intersected and born in little old Bethlehem, just a little village. And so the shepherds perhaps need a sign. They need a little evidence and they need a little proof. So verse 12, uh, the angel gives them a sign. And the angel says, and this will be a sign for you. You will uh, will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. Okay, that's pretty normal. Lying in a manger. Once again, we get so used to this, we kind of think, oh, well, you know, the ancient world, those primitive people, they just, they'd use anything handy, a, a manger. No, no, it was not normal to be born in a stable and to lie in a manger. Today, this would be like you're giving birth or a Messiah being born in the shed in your backyard where you keep your lawnmower. 
This is, this is weird. This is a sign. Because probably no one else was born that night in the little town of Bethlehem. But if there were other people, well, this particular one will be lying in a manger. And the shepherds look at each other and they say, did, did, what? Did we hear that right? Lying in a manger? But there's no time to think because suddenly, verses 13 and 14, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Heavenly host, the unseen world intersecting, the curtains being pulled back briefly, <coughs> the angels singing and glorifying God. And this is how it all happened 2,000-ish years ago. Little town of Bethlehem in Dunkin' Donuts with the common laborers. Well, they're gone. <coughs> the angels are gone. Silence once again. Blackness once again. Their eyes, you know, are not used to it. And the sheep are all over the place. And they say to one another, let's go. Let's go find the sign. Let's, get, let's go check it out. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go over to Bethlehem. It's just right over there. Let's go and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they take off, and they somehow they know the right place to go. Maybe um, they, they knew the certain uh, stable to go to. Uh, in, in the ancient world, it may have been a cave. We do know that the shepherds would use natural uh, you know, enclosures, maybe with a little wooden portico built on the front. In any case, they, they, they know where to go or they know where to ask around and they go to the stable and what do they see? They walk in and there's, uh, there's Mary, there's Joseph, it's a baby in a manger. Verse 16. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. My, 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 my. Messiah has been born, the anointed one of God himself. God himself has invaded our world. God has come. And he's given us signs, actually three signs here. First of all, there's the angels and all this, you know, singing and light and everything. That doesn't happen every day. Then there's the sign of Bethlehem. That was a prophecy all the way back in the book of Micah, hundreds of years prior. And here it is right here in Bethlehem, little out of the way Bethlehem. And then, of course, the sign of a baby in the manger. And the shepherds say, my, 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 my. So, 
their response, their natural response is to go and tell it on the mountains. Verse 17, and when they had seen it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They went around telling everybody, there's an angel, and then the, we were out there. We were, most, most of these guys were asleep. I was the one who was awake, and there was an angel, and he said, a Savior has been born, and there's light on all over the road, and he called him Savior, uh, 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 Messiah, and Lord. He called him God himself, the Lord, and there was a sign. It was really weird. You're not going to believe this. There's a baby lying in a manger. Yeah, seriously, a manger. You know the, the, the stable. And, it, and they went and told everybody because that, is the natural response. It is, it's a natural <laughs> response when the unseen world intersects our world and good news of great joy is given that a savior has come. The natural thing is to want to tell people. Those who find Jesus glorify God and spread the word to others. And verses 18 through 20. And all who heard this uh, message of the shepherds wondered at what the shepherds told them. That's one reaction. It's a natural reaction. Like say, what? What? Wait, wait, wait. In a, a, a manger? And there's angels? What were they singing? And they wondered. It's a natural reaction. You may have faced it experienced it yourself. If you have met the Lord, and if you have come to Christ, and if he has turned your life upside down, and then other people hear about it in your family and your co-workers, they, they, they wonder like, what? What happened? You used to be different. I experienced that when I came to the Lord at a, as a 14-year-old. My friends wondered, my family wondered, and that's the first response. But then notice also, Another response, verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That's a nice response, isn't it? Maybe you identify with that. You, you meditate, you, you mull it over, you think about, you imagine, you remember, you ponder in your heart. What does this all mean? I get the sense that I'm caught up in something enormous. Let me think about it. And then another response, verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That is, as I say, the natural response of those who hear the good news who believe this good news, they receive that message mingled with faith. The natural reaction is to honor God and glorify him and spread the word to other people in thanks to their heavenly Father. Now, let's go back to the question that I posed uh, at the beginning. Why did the angel, why did God's announcement go to shepherds? Why shepherds? What are they all fired up about? What's the big deal? I think they're all fired up because this story shows us, first of all, that God is no respecter of persons. He went 
to Dunkin' Donuts. He went to the lobstermen. He went to the shepherds. Isn't this good news? Doesn't this warm your heart that this is the kind of God that we honor and worship? He is no respecter of persons. He does not choose us based on IQ. That's good news. He does not choose us for any kind of worth. He doesn't choose those who have the corner office and the nice windows. He doesn't choose uh, us based on physical appearance, whether you're plain or lovely. He is no respecter of persons. And I think the shepherds felt that. I think they sensed that, like, wow, he came to us of all people. You'd think he'd go to the king. <laughs> You'd think he'd go to the priests. We're used to kind of getting everything handed down to us, you know, from these authorities. But he came to us. You'd think he'd go to CNN. <laughs> and they perhaps sensed this and were touched by it the way you and I are. He's no respecter of persons. This is called grace. This is called God's sovereign choice, his plan not based on, none of us impresses him. Somebody say amen. Somebody text amen. None of us impresses him. And they were touched that the announcement went to them, that he included them into his fold. He is no respecter of persons. Why shepherds? Why are they so fired up about this thing? The second reason, because when we fear God, he says to us, fear not. That's good news also. Many people live under a constant a sense of anxiety and guilt and not measuring up and we know that we're sinners and we do things wrong and we kind of fear God. It's very understandable. There is judgment coming. Scripture is very clear about this. But when we have that reverential attitude toward him, when we know that we don't measure up, when we, you know, we know there's a great gulf fixed between the two of us, then he says to us, fear not, fear not. I am for you. I'm not against you. Do you fear God? Or do you think you can kind of manipulate him? And do you feel that he is other? Or is he just sort of like your neighbor across the fence or your coworker in the uh, cubicle next to you? When we have proper, clean, biblical, health and life-giving fear of God, he says, fear not. I have good news for you. I know your inadequacies. You don't have to tell me. I actually know them better than you do. Fear not great joy. A Savior has come to take care of all those problems. And so the shepherds received that message, and it made them very happy and joyful and glorifying God and praising him. When we fear him, he says, fear not. And this also makes us want to go tell other people, God is for us, not against us. He's bridged the gap. He has sent a Savior. Let me suggest one other uh, 
perspective on my question, why did he go to shepherds? Why are they so fired up about this? Because number three, he includes us in his work. And that also is very touching, to know that we partner with him. I mean, he could have sent a whole battalion of angels to Bethlehem. He actually did send a battalion of angels to Bethlehem. But then after that, you know, he could have sent a battalion of angels to Jerusalem. But no, he sent people. He could have sent angels to Rome, but he sent common people. He could have sent a battalion of angels to Cleveland, but he sends you and me. He includes us in his work. And that's very uplifting and very honoring. And it makes us, once again, honor God and want to praise him and want to serve him, want to tell other people about him. So will you remember this in your daily grind? Because he's including you and empowering you and calling you into his work of building the kingdom, it elevates our daily grind above the grind. And so when you write a check, you're partnering with God. And when you chase a toddler, that's his work. And when you lend a listening ear to somebody's heartache, Whatever you did to the least of these, you did it for me. And when you stand up for right and justice, you're doing God's work. And he calls us into that work. And when you treat your employees with respect, and when you operate your vehicle in a safe manner, and when you spread the good news of the gospel, and when you pray a prayer for those who don't know him, he's using all of that, and he includes us in his work. So, to answer the question, why shepherds? Because he's no respecter of persons. Praise the Lord. He includes common people like you and me. Number two, because when they feared him, when we fear him, he says to us, fear not. I've got good news for you, not bad news. And number three, he has chosen common people like you and me to be his partners. So, honor him, praise him, glorify him, spread the good news and work with him in his kingdom. Gracious Father, thank you for this beautiful story of that first Noel. Help us, Lord, to take it to heart and to see ourselves in this story as you have come to us, as you have come to them. We thank you, Lord, that you include us in your work and you say to us, fear not. Amen and amen.